On a night quite unenchanting, when the rain was downward slanting, I awakened to the ranting of the man I catch mice for. Tipsy and a bit unshaven, in a tone I found quite craven, Poe was talking to a raven perched above the chamber door. Raven's very tasty, thought I, as I tiptoed over the floor. There is nothing I like more. This episode of History Obscura is brought to you by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. Printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. And with my promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in P-O-D. That's stamps.com. Promo code P-O-D. Never go to the post office again. Hello and welcome to the History Obscura podcast this fine Halloween week. Come have a seat, pour yourself a cup of tea, and help yourself to a soul cake. Once upon a time, the Christian Church designated November 2nd as All Souls Day. By that time, Christians had mingled with the native Celts of Britain, Ireland, and France long enough to have incorporated many of the native heathen rituals into their own Christian ones. All Souls Day was one of these, known by the Celts as Samhain. During Samhain, the Celts believed that the dead returned to the world of the living. They celebrated the fact that their loved ones walked among them again, in spirit, anyway. Unfortunately, it was not only the benevolent spirits who returned to Earth while the veil between theirs and our world was at its thinnest, but malevolent spirits, too. To keep these evil spirits away, many Celts dressed in fierce animal skins to try to scare away anything that wanted to cause trouble. In addition, people also set out large banquets for the worst spirits to keep them away from the living. The idea was that the bad ghosts would see the assortment of fearsome animals and choose to avoid them, and rather just stay put at the lovely buffet, feasting at a safe distance until the veil closed again for another year. In later centuries, celebrants of Samhain added to the animal costumes while dressing as demons and fellow evil ghosts. Known as mummers, the costumed villagers and country folk danced and provided entertainment in exchange for the drink and food originally intended to keep the real monsters away. Many traditions were inspired by the annual thinning of the veil, including the rather delicious custom of preparing soul cakes. 
You see, Roman Catholics eventually decided that All Souls Day set free the baptized souls, guilty of so-called lesser sins, who were trapped in purgatory. Of course, it was important that those slightly guilty souls receive an appropriate amount of prayers, in time for their god to hear and deem them worthy of lifting out of purgatory and into proper heaven. Soul cakes helped facilitate the requisite number of prayers for the deceased by exchanging them for those prayers with visitors to the house. Each All Souls Day, people went from home to home, offering their prayer services in exchange for sweet, spicy little soul cakes. Like most baked goods in medieval Europe, these cakes were generally a simple mixture of flour, butter, and egg, plus a heady and spicy portion of honey, black pepper, cinnamon, ginger, saffron, nutmeg, mace, and cloves. The cakes were marked with an equal-armed cross, signifying that they were alms. Alms being money, food, or other donations for the poor, and most prayer offerers being traditionally in poverty, this practice was called souling. And you just might have noticed these souling traditions added to the practice of mumming turned out a little something like trick-or-treating. A splendid holiday where children flock about, bravely keeping evil spirits of All Souls Day at bay with an array of fearsome disguises, visiting the homes of neighbors in search of sweets. Except instead of offering prayers for the household's deceased, the youth do absolutely nothing or, at worst, offer not to destroy the good neighbor's yard with eggs and toilet paper. All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, technically takes place on October 31st, and then, November 1st, we have All Souls' Day, or Day of the Dead. The confusion between the two is understandable, but the truth is it's all part of the same package. It's always been about ghosts. So, set out a bit of fish for the ghost of my Frankentito, and settle back with a fresh cup of tea, because this weekend, all the lost souls are about. Phlegon of Tralles and his second-century manuscript, Book of Marvels, has a lovely little something to keep you warm and safe tonight. The nurse went to the door of the guest room, and in the light of the burning lamp, she saw the dead girl sitting beside Makatees. Because of the extraordinary nature of the sight, she did not wait there any longer, but ran to the girl's mother, screaming. She said they should get up and come with her to their daughter, who was alive, and by some divine will, was with the guest in the guest room. When Carido heard this astonishing report, the immensity of the message and the nurse's excitement made her frightened and faint. But after a short time, the memory of her daughter came to her, and she began to weep. In the end, she accused the old woman of being mad and told her to leave her presence immediately. But the nurse replied boldly and reproachfully that she herself was rational and sound of mind, unlike her mistress, who was reluctant to see her own daughter. 
With some hesitation, Carido went to the door of the guest room, partly coerced by the nurse and partly wanting to know what really had happened. Since considerable time, about two hours, had now passed since the nurse's original message, it was somewhat late when Carido went to the door and the occupants were already asleep. She peered in, and though she recognized her daughter's clothes and features, she could not determine the truth of the matter, and she decided to do nothing further that night. She planned to get up in the morning and confront the girl, or, if she should be too late for that, intended to question Makatees thoroughly about everything. He would not, she thought, lie if asked about so important a matter, and so she said nothing and left. At dawn, however, it turned out that by divine will or chance the girl had left unnoticed. When Carito came to the room, she was upset with the young man because of the girl's departure. She asked him to relate everything to her from the beginning, telling the truth and concealing nothing. The youth was anxious and confused at first, but hesitantly revealed the girl's name was Philinian. He told how her visits began, how great her desire for him was, and that she said she came to him without her parents' knowledge. Wishing to make the matter credible, he opened his coffer and took out the items the girl had left behind, the golden ring he'd obtained from her, and the breastband she had left the night before. When Carito saw this evidence, she uttered a cry, tore her clothes, cast her headdress from her head, and fell to the ground, throwing herself upon the tokens and beginning her grief anew. As the guest observed what was happening... How all were grieving and wailing as if they were about to lay the girl into her grave. He became upset and called upon them to stop, promising to show them the girl if she came again. Carito accepted this and bade him carefully keep his promise. Night came on and now it was the hour when Philinian was accustomed to come to him. The household kept watch, wanting to know of her arrival. She entered at the usual time and sat down on the bed. Macatees pretended that nothing was wrong, since he wished to investigate the whole incredible matter to find out if the girl he was consorting with, who took care to come to him at the same hour, was actually dead. As she ate and drank with him, he simply could not believe what the others had told him and he supposed that some grave robbers had dug into the tomb and sold the clothes and gold to her father. But in his wish to learn exactly what the case was, he secretly sent his slaves to summon Demostratos and Carito. They came quickly. When they first saw her, they were speechless and panic-stricken by the amazing sight. But after that, they cried aloud and embraced their daughter. Then... Philinian said to them, Mother and father, how unfairly you have grudged my being with the guest for three days in my father's house, since I have caused no one any pain. For this reason, on account of your meddling, you shall grieve all over again, and I shall return to the place appointed for me. For it was not without divine will that I came here. Immediately upon speaking these words, she was dead and her body lay stretched visibly on the bed. Her father and mother threw themselves upon her, 
and there was much confusion and wailing in the house because of the calamity. The misfortune was unbearable, and the sight incredible. The event was quickly heard through the city, and was reported to me. Accordingly, during the night I kept in check the crowds that gathered at the house, since with news like this going from mouth to mouth, I wanted to make sure there would be no trouble. By early dawn, the town assembly was full. After the particulars had been explained, it was decided that we should go first to the tomb, open it, and see whether the body lie on its bier, or whether we would find the place empty. A half year had not yet passed since the death of the girl. When we opened the chamber into which all deceased members of the family were placed, we saw bodies lying on byers, or bones in the case of those who had died long ago, but on the byer onto which Philinian had been placed we found only the iron ring that belonged to the guest and the gilded wine cup, objects that she had obtained from Macatees on the first day. Astonished and frightened, we proceeded immediately to Nermostris' house to see if the corpse was truly to be seen in the guest room. After we saw the dead girl lying there on the ground, we gathered at the place of assembly, since the events were serious and incredible. There was considerable confusion in the assembly, and almost no one was able to form a judgment on the events. The first to stand up was Helos who is considered to be not only the best seer among us, but also a fine augur. In general, he has shown remarkable perception in his craft. He said we should burn the girl outside the boundaries of the city, since nothing would be gained by burying her in the ground within its boundaries, and perform an apotropic sacrifice to Hermes and the Eumenides. Then he prescribed that everyone purify himself completely, cleanse the temples, and perform all the customary rites to the Knan underworld gods. He spoke to me also in private about the king, telling me to sacrifice to Hermes, Zeus, and Ares, and to perform these rites with care. When he had made this known to us, we undertook to do what he had prescribed. Macetes, the guest whom the ghost had visited, became despondent and killed himself. If you decide to write about this to the king, send word to me also in order that I may dispatch to you one of the persons who examined the affair in detail. Farewell. Thank you for listening. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash history obscura, or check out the show links to see how to buy us a nice cup of tea. Either way, your support is very much needed and appreciated. Good night. Good night.